Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you tonight. That's the first Tuesday I've got that right. And as always, I'm here with my big brother, Rich. Rich, how are you this, I don't know, rainy evening? Is it rainy where you are? Yes, we actually had rain just a little while ago. Um, it has been a little a little bit rainy, um, but not too bad, really. Um, it cooled it down a little bit. Uh, I'm seeing right now an outside temperature of 66 degrees here in the mountains. That's that's nice. Yeah, that's but nice. my house is, I'm sitting here, you can see door <laughs> open, fans going in the window, out in the living room. Still 75 in my house. Uh, so that's Working on cooling it down. But Well, I had a softball game tonight, and we had a little bit of a rain delay to start, but then we were able to squeeze it in. So I was, because of the rain delay, I was running late getting here and everything. Now, for those of you that might say, Dave, what's going on? You seem a little light, but you also seem a little dark in the background. I got myself a new computer, so it has a different webcam. So I'm still trying to figure out the lighting, which is best to do podcasts. And that is something that I'll have to continue to work on this week. So please bear with me. But the good thing is I've never had a problem with internet connection. I've only had a problem with my processing speed of my computer, and that is no longer a problem. So I am ready and rearing to go for podcasting. You, you know what I wanted to do right there. I refrain. <laughs> I want to start saying, Dave, we can't hear you. You're lagging. You're, uh, uh, I'm not lagging. I'm not lagging. I'm good to go. I, I definitely am. And uh, yeah. Here he is in the live chat, Captain Underpants. He's like, you're using my question. Yes, the title of our show is based off of a question that was emailed to me from one, I'll leave it at, Captain Underpants. But we're not going to dive into the topic quite yet because there was some news today. Because I did not realize this until it went down. And then all of a sudden, myself and Jeffrey Benedict are like, hey, let's get some articles out. Mike Tomlin spoke to some of the local media today in, in Pittsburgh. It was, of course, a Zoom meeting, as everything is these days. But there was a couple of nuggets from this from, from this meeting, this, this press conference interview, however you want to say it, that were quite interesting. First of all, we will just say this, that Mike Tomlin said that there were two Steelers players that, were, that did test positive for COVID-19 this spring. They are recovered. They are back. He did not say who. I don't know that he's allowed to say who. Um, but that just goes to show that they that it's it it doesn't it's not that it doesn't affect the Steelers. They were not at the facility and had not been at the facility at all. So that no one else was was put in danger. Or there was it doesn't appear that there was any danger of spreading. Did not comment on if these were two cases that were, you know, contracted from each other, if they were completely separate. Not sure, but to me, it just kind of puts everything in perspective. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm as the kind of person that says, hey, these two players now, from everything that they've said uh, health-wise, which, you know, things could change, a lot of things have changed since since March, uh, that they don't have to worry about contracting it again for the most part. So that's interesting. So that's, I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about eventually is what's going to happen when teams have this go through, because when players are, are test positive, they're not during the season, they're not going to be allowed to play. So for those of players that already had it and recovered, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But the fact that they've had it and are recovered, I don't think they ever de develop symptoms either. Um, 
just were, did you hear about that story today, Rich, or was this yes, news to you? Actually, I saw when BTSC had it posted out there. Mm-hmm. Of course, then I saw people be like, oh, they're trying to get you with headlines. This was months ago. Correct. But it wasn't announced until today. Yeah. And then Brad in the live chat asked about Ben's news from 20 minutes ago. Like I said, I just drove home, hopped in the shower and jumped on from a softball game. So I have not heard Ben's news. If there was any, any news about that, um, that I'm not sure what, 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 what's going on with that. I thought you all posted something that somebody else had put out on the story as well. So I don't think it's the 20, unless they're talking about something different than what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, there was a story out today. Um, just been talking about his past struggles with addiction. Yes. Yes. I, um, yes, I did see that. That wasn't something out that within, Whoo! I was worried that there was something that really broke a couple of minutes ago. If but there's something just... else out there that really broke. I have no idea what everybody's talking about. Somebody yeah. else would have to bring me up to speed. Yep. So yeah, that's what we're getting from the live chat that it was about his past addictions. Um, that he had some talk about that. I know that he also tied um, his faith back into that and how that's helped straighten his life out. So let's just say I'm, I'm glad that we have, you know, not just the elbow, but over the past several years, we've had the more new and improved Ben, the family man, Ben, the Ben that got, you know, after ha- dealing with some, some things in his youth that he's, you know, grown up and, put his life in a different direction. Yeah. So that was think about that, what he's dealt. Think about what he's dealt with then. You know, I just, yeah. you know, yeah, I just like him back to the days of, you know, mm-hmm. motorcycle face. Yes. But, you know, and, 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 and I mean, and come on and also with that, you know, he had the, the appendectomy right before the season started that, I mean, that wasn't even his fault. So just, he's had various yeah. different things going on with that. So it's, it's good to see Ben and to Ben open up about these kind of things uh, when he spoke at an event over the weekend. Now, more other news was Coach Tomlin actually said something I didn't expect him to say, but it's funny because I knew exactly what he was thinking, because what did he say? He confirmed everything that I've been saying for several months now, and that is to start off in training camp. Now, this is important to say that it's to start off. Coach Tomlin always put doesn't put really any anything into when he has to give his first depth chart because to him that means nothing because he knows the guys are going to earn stuff through practice time and through uh, their their preseason game tape. But to start off in training camp, Coach Tomlin said that it will be Matt Filer at left guard and either Chuksakora for or Zach Banner at right tackle. The reason for this, which is exactly what I thought, these are guys that were with the team last year. Correct. And especially with everything going on, that that's the way they're going to start. Now, he also mentioned on defense that it's Tyson Alualu starting off at nose tackle. We'll get to that one. Let's stick to the offensive line stuff first, because we've talked about this in the past. What was your thoughts with him saying, Filer to guard, Shooks or banner and tackle. The first thing that jumps out is like, well, what about Wisniewski? We paid the, yeah, the guys coming in as a free agent and blah, blah, blah. But again, Tomlin in what is typical Mike Tomlin fashion is basing it on his guys that he's seen in practice and seen on the field and, and that like who knows how long before it'll change. Yes. Or if it'll change. Yeah. But 
they don't really even put too much credence in the depth chart during the regular season. No, they do. Let, let alone the preseason or let alone going into training camp. So, yeah, I this is what I like. This is what I wrote. In essence, you have now some people are saying three. I'm including four just for the sake of argument. You are basically talking about four players fighting for one starting position on the offensive line, you know, assuming there's no injuries. Because of the versatility of Matt Filer, and I know some people didn't say, oh, keep Filer a tackle. He did a good job. Well, who's to say he's not a better guard than he is tackle? He just had to play tackle because that was where the opening was. So, or there was, or or that would just put the best five guys on the field for the Steelers. To me, there's a difference between moving Filer to guard versus moving Filer back to guard. I've said this many times that you're putting him back in a position he was playing before. So that's not the end of the world. But with Filer being able to play guard or tackle, that means you you have two guys duking it out for right tackle. You've got, to me, two guys duking it out for left guard and not named Matt Filer, that any four of those guys, if they step up and grab a starting position, then Filer plays the other spot. So you have Chooks and Banner at tackle, and you have Wisniewski and Dotson at guard. Now, I know Kevin Dotson, he's got the longest shot of them all. He's a rookie. It's a very weird offseason. All the rookies are going to be further behind. But the last thing you want to do is rule someone out who can just come in and just just grab the bull by the horns. You know, now I'm thinking of Ben Stiller and dodgeball. Um, so, sorry. Now, now I'm thinking of Globo Jim. Uh, <laughs> that's a picture of me literally grabbing the bull by the horns. Um, but Dotson, you know, it, it, it's a long shot. But I wouldn't rule out a rookie. I just, I wouldn't. Marquise Pouncey wasn't supposed to start, and he started 16 games as a rookie. Now, granted, that's a first round pick versus a fourth round pick. But uh, really, it's a big open competition. Um, do you kind of see it the same way? Uh, for some reason, you are muted, brother. I can't hear you at all. My bad. Sorry. There you are. Alex, <laughs> Alex came in the house. I hit the mute button on the mic. I was, she came. I heard her pull in the driveway, and she always comes Unmute in the house. Unmute your mic. You are a professional. <laughs> yeah. Unmute your microphone. You are a professional. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, we've got so many linemen right now that really it's just going to come down to who wins the spots. Um, I will shout out Flip was up there saying, hey, but you don't move your best offensive lineman from last year. Sure you do. You do if it's Matt Filer and he's capable of both tackle and guard. Yeah. Um, why, why wouldn't you? To um, put yourself in a box like that, you know, is, is crazy. Because that's like saying, um, why why move your third best defensive tackle last year? But well, when he ranked in the top twelve in the league. Look, because you want to put him in a good spot. We're we're two and a half months away from stepping yeah. on the field for a regular season game. Why why does it matter right now? Yeah. Well, and honestly, Lance Williams brought up a good point today with me in in a, in a text message. He's like, start Filer there early to get him work there because you know he can play right tackle. So get him some some more work at guard, so that way he really is your guy that's going to could could play anywhere during the season, and that that just gives him the work there. Um, frankly, yeah, I, 
people get so caught up into, oh, well, don't move your best lineman. I, I, my senior year of high school, you know, I, I sound like Al Bundy. Um, looking back at, I was the best lineman on my on my senior year um, on my football team, and I got moved partway through the season in order to make the line and the team better. So making the team better is what you got to do. Right. So, um, so now let's just go crazy before we move on. Week one, Matt Filer is starting at. I, I'm not answering that question. You wonder yeah. why? No, it's just. I, I, no, I'm not answering that question. My, fun. my Tomlin can't answer that question. He, he's the coach. He sees I the know. guys every day. Well, yeah, but come on. It's like you predicted the Steelers' record. Predict who's going pick. Predict where might Matt Filer's going to be week one. Okay, week one, Matt Filer's playing right tackle and Wisniewski's playing guard. Okay, I, I could 100% get on board with that, and that's probably what it's going to be. Because you took that one, I'm going to go um, – I'll, I'll go different just to be different, and I will say Filer will be at guard and and Chooks will be at tackle just because that's where they started in the game you and I watched together last year. It's it, it really a shot. It could be anybody. It really could. I mean, it's really going to end up being a coin flip with some of these guys. Yeah. It really is. It's really just going to be like who on a particular day grabs the better day. Yeah. Who's going to step up and grab it? It's there for the taking. And honestly, if you're a guy like, let's say, Zach Banner, who – Came into the league, struggled, struggled, struggled with weight issues, struggled with um, really a, a right fit and a desire to play. Found his way to Pittsburgh, got a love for football again, got the weight under control, made the fifty-three, but was barely active. I think he was active like two times all season that first season, and then last year he's active every game and he's the he's the the eligible you know blocking tight end. What more could you ask to now be coming into training camp knowing that you have a legitimate opportunity that if you step up, you could be the starting tackle? Right. What more do you ask for? That's no, th that's great. So uh, let's just say this. The Steelers are in a much better situation than the majority of NFL teams who are like, oh, my goodness, who are we going to have play there? Because they don't have enough guys where the Steelers seem like they could have, could have, they still got to show it, could have uh, multiple options for them. So that was a lot of important stuff to talk about before we dove into the topic of the show. Anything else you want to say? Oh, wait, we didn't go to the defense. Tyson Alualu penciled in as the nose tackle to start. What are your thoughts there? You know what you got with him? Uh, you know, we've talked about how really, you know, weight-wise he's really no different than – than what we've had, you know, he's just listed at what three oh two or something like that. Yeah, yeah, three oh four. I think it four? might be okay. something like that. Yeah, okay, really, not one that pound big a deal. less than Hargrave, <laughs> right? And it, it does he look like what you'd expect from a nose tackle? But we know what we have with him. Could he play some of those tackles? Sure, he could. Yeah. But we've probably got two, three other guys that could play some time at nose tackle. Again, he's penciled in there instead of Wormley. Why? Wormley hasn't stepped on our practice field yet. Yeah. yeah. And from the interview that we had with him, he said if they want him to play nose, he wants to bulk up some. It makes sense that that's where they're going to go with nose. Some people were all upset about the Steelers not really having a nose tackle. I mean, they right. do. They have Dan McCullers. But they would much rather 
have a Hargrave-like nose tackle than a Dan McCullers. To me, this this speaks a lot because McCullers has been with the Steelers longer than Aloalo. So the Steelers didn't automatically just put Dan McCullers there and say it's kind of his job to lose. They kind of know that he's not the guy. So this is this is kind of their I think they want versatility where they could eat. I mean, on any given play, I wouldn't be shocked even with three guys in there if it was Alualu to it and and Hayward. To Any one next, of them could line up at nose tackle. The next thing you know, I mean, I think to it's probably the least likely just because of his style. But next thing you know, Alualu's lined up, you know, out, you know, outside of the guard, inside of the tackle. And there's there's Cam Hayward lined up in a zero or a one technique. It's it's just one of those things that it, the teams might not be able to anticipate it. It's just a different philosophy, and that's what they have. And I'm not surprised by that either. That's what I've been saying basically all offseason when people were saying we have to draft a nose tackle in the second round. I'm like, there's not a worthy nose tackle to draft in the second round. Um, that getting just getting your best defensive lineman on the field, regardless of where they're lined up, is probably more important than making sure that the guy at nose is the prototypical guy. I still think they'll hold on to Dan McCullers, although some people think they'll move on. Because I think when they go goal line, they're going to want that extra nose tackle that is a really big guy. Yeah. So um, unless they unless they're going to bring in somebody like Zach Banner, so <laughs> so you, know, you never else, know right? he's going to play everywhere else. So with that, there were some other good things from the Mike Tomlin press conference. If you haven't had a chance, it is on Steelers.com. You can go check it out. So let's dive into this topic before we run out of time. And this was brought up by, as we said before, Captain Underpants sent me an email, not the Captain Underpants from the books and movies, but affectionately known, <laughs> known as Captain Underpants from the BTSC live chat. He asked the question on the defense, who's better, the front or the back? You know, I basically broke it up to front seven, because when you're in base defense, you would have seven guys, your three defensive linemen and your four linebackers, or your back six. Yeah, I know. I just added two more positions to the team. But when you're in dime, you have those two extra defensive backs. So you want to think about how they all work as, as a unit. Let's kind of in, in, include them all. Any thoughts? Right on. Do you want to start off? With I have some some geeky stats to throw out, but I wanted well, to give you a chance if you wanted to say something. Stats. I decided to take this question to my brain trust. Uh-oh. <laughs> you got your brain trust? Uh-oh. Who, who'd you ask? Do you think Kyle. I asked? Kyle. Of course I asked Kyle. <laughs> you asked Kyle. <laughs> so, because I have my ideas on it, and, and I asked Kyle, and believe it or not, um, because really I wanted to see from somebody, you know, from, from a younger person yeah. who's, who's really watched the Steelers team and just their take. And his take was almost exactly like mine. Okay. Okay. Um, and we went with the front seven. You went with the front seven. We went with the front seven. Um, we feel that... <laughs> Again, uh, it's going to sound like I'm taking away from from the secondary, but but I don't really want to take away from the secondary. Um, if our front seven wasn't as dominant, the secondary would have a tougher time. Yes. Okay. Um, but if the secondary wasn't doing their job, the front seven would have a tougher time. So, 
Well, I know, which is why, <laughs> yeah. in the, which is why, in the end, though, what we decided is what we, what kind of tips the scales in this. And as we said, man, this is a great discussion to have because absolutely, how many years have we sat here and you know, I mean, I think through different eras, and you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're missing a a little bit here, a little bit, th- you know. It's like, oh, our front seven have been great, but our secondary is so terrible. Yeah. Or we've had a great secondary, and it's like, you know, they can't cover everybody forever out there. We can't get any pressure. Boy, isn't it nice to kind of have a little bit of both right now? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But what really tipped it when Kyle and I were talking was the idea that, um, you know, you, you want your secondary to make guys have to hold the ball. You know, that's what yeah. you think of the when you think of the secondary making the front seven better. If guys okay. are wide open in three seconds, you can't get to the quarterback. Correct. All right. The, but those guys right now, those guys don't ever have to think of covering anybody for five, six seconds. Yeah. Don't have to do it. Because the front seven is are there in there. three to four seconds, if not fast. Unless that this is what happened a few times the first time. Um, the Steelers face the Browns is if this quarterback escapes and buys Correct. time and still looks down the field. See, and that's the one thing that like when the Steelers played the Ravens early in the season, I don't know if this is true all the time. I'm just going from memory. I haven't watched that game for a long time that the difference is when you have a quarterback that can escape the pocket and still looks to throw. That's hard because you're having to to defend guys for such a a longer time. Escapability and still going to pass. The other thing is is like someone like Lamar Jackson who escapes the pocket, sometimes his first instinct is run. So therefore, it's not as easy to then burn someone with the pass. But there were several times where Baker Mayfield extended plays and that's what gave big plays to, to the Browns on that Thursday night game. Granted, with the Steelers coming in on a short week and having to travel, so that's that's interesting. I'm, I'm, let's 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 look at the numbers. I mean, this is now, static. Th- th- there's another reason that okay. I, that we could kind of go that way. Okay, uh-huh. is because so many of the rules in today's NFL are anti-defensive back. Yeah, you can thank Mel Blunt for that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, so, so they have their hands tied a lot more. Yeah. Now, yeah. You know, Kyle even brought up and was like, oh, you know, he was talking about, well, you know, he's like, it was nice to see our interception numbers go up last year, but mm-hmm. some of that was the guys we had playing there, but some of that was because when you get pressure on the quarterbacks fast enough, they make poor decisions. That's true. So, yeah. Well, let's 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 look at this. You're talking about things like that from last year. The Steelers had two two stats defensively that they led the league in, two major stats, and that was takeaways and sacks. Yes. So, if you look at the takeaways of their 38 takeaways, they had 20 interceptions and 18 fumble recoveries. Now, you wasn't nice to see that interception. Oh, I know. 
when's the last time we had 20 interceptions in a season? That's a great question that I have the answer can't remember. to. No, I don't oh, have I it. You you already had that I would have to that I'd have to look up here. Um it's been a little bit. But um I couldn't tell you the exact year, but I would say with I'd say it's probably been I don't know, definitely more than five years, probably more about 10. But someone in the live chat might even let us know about that one. Here's the deal. 20 interceptions, 18 fumble recoveries. Now, when it comes to these turnovers, when it, with the interceptions, you would assume that you would get more from your back end of your defense. And for your fumble recoveries, you would get more from the front end of your defense. And that it lined up almost exactly that way. There were... There were um. Of the 20 interceptions, 14 of them were by defensive backs, and five of them were by the front seven, which is inside linebackers, outside linebackers. Now, you notice that only adds up to 19 because one interception was by a running back. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Because Trey Edmonds had it on a fake punt. So that one doesn't count towards towards either towards either one, which people still like to laugh that last year Trey Edmonds had more interceptions than Terrell Edmonds, which is true. Um, and for their career, they're tied. So that that's that's pretty even. Now the now the Steelers in their fumble recoveries, they had 13 from their front seven and five from their defensive backs. So that really even, you know, pretty much was even split. Five and thirteen versus five and fourteen of the of the two. So that's kind of right in line of what you would expect. Now with the forced fumbles, of course, that's that was your front seven more than anything because there was a lot of strip sacks. But that doesn't mean that the defensive backs can't force fumbles when they're give, when you know in the open field. There were other uh, the Steelers had twenty one forced fumbles. So there there was eighteen of them by the front seven and three of them by defensive backs. And when I say the front seven, anyone that played a front seven position. Now, what's weird is inside linebackers, depending on what you're doing, they're, they're, they're the hybrid. They're the guys that count for both. They're the guys that have to stop the run. They're also the guys that are dropping into coverage as well a lot of times. Right. So those, those are interesting. Um, defensive touchdowns. How many defensive touchdowns did the Steelers have last year? Uh, I don't know. You have to tell me. You, I know. you saw one in person. Yeah. Um, because that was that was against the Rams, the fumble recovery, um, by Minka Fitzpatrick. The week before, Minka Fitzpatrick had the pick six, and out in I almost said San Diego, L.A. Devin Bush had the fumble re re recovery for a touchdown early in that game. So there was three, two of them by defensive backs, and one by the front seven. So that's, you know, that's still pretty good. Um, passes defensed with that is one that you would expect to be a lot more for the secondary. Uh, they had 54, but the front seven also had 28 because you get a lot of those batted balls uh, at the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. and you still had inside linebackers knocking them away in coverage occasionally. Mm -hmm. And then the last other stat, I didn't look at tackles because tackles can be misleading. Um, you can get a defensive lineman tackling a guy five yards down the field, and yeah, they get a tackle, but is that really where you want yeah. them to be making a tackle? So, but for but I did tackles for loss, where the Steelers had ninety. Of course, seventy-five of them came from their front seven, where 
15 came from their defensive backs, which is impressive that the defensive backs are coming up and making tackles for loss. These are key when, you know, when they try to throw the little bubble screens or just the little, you know, they come right up and throw it out quick and right. got to come up and make the tackle. Or if you're also talking when they're sending somebody like, like Mike Hilton into the backfield. So based on those numbers, those numbers pretty much line up how you would expect them to line up if the, if you were pretty even with front seven and secondary. Very even. Now, the Steelers, the th- one thing that you have to realize is that the Steelers didn't lose anyone from their secondary from this past season, with the exception of Artie Burns, who did not contribute to any of these stats at all. So now the Steelers did lose Javon Hargrave, Mark Barron, and Anthony Ciccolo. Ciccolo did not contribute for the most stats. part. No, right. I mean, any of these particular that I read, he didn't contribute any of them. Hargrave had some passive defense and tackled for loss. Uh, no, Hargrave might not have had a pass defense when I went back and looked at it. That was surprising. Um, so there was something in there, in there, I expected him to have one, and he didn't. So the, the Steelers are losing a little bit there, but they also, you know, have some other people that they'll, that, that'll be stepping up there. This is a hard question. This is oh, a hard yes, question. I told this you that's is, why yeah. I, I sat and pondered over for a long time. That's why I wanted to, that's why I went to Kyle, just wanted to see what he had. Um, and he didn't think long. He, he just, yeah. He just jumped right in, made his yeah, said what he thought and uh, made his argument for for why. To which I was like, I can see why you say these things. So, yeah, and 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 I I see it too because I see the defensive front as being really the strength of this team, but I also see that that defensive backfield, you know, including Hilton and Sutton, as a place that like. They're trying to do all they can to, to to pick on Terrell Edmonds and put him in a situation what doesn't play to his strengths while the Steelers are constantly trying to put him in a situation that does play to his strengths. So I would say in all, I'm I'm gonna give the slight nod to the front. To the front. Yeah, seven. but it's but it's just slight. It's, it's so slight because not only that, CBS Sports today came out with their top 10, some top 10 rankings, top 10 corners, top 10 safeties. The Steelers had the number two safety and the number three corner on the list that they had. Minka Minka is number two and Joe Hayden was the number three corner. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. When, when, when did the Steelers had that? That's been a long time. I think Lance answered that said the last time the Steelers had that many interceptions was 2010. So that was almost 10 years ago. Um, Vodka wanted to know the last time we blocked a punt, we blocked a punt um, in week one against Cleveland. I think Matikiewicz blocked it and Chicolo recovered it for the touchdown um early in week one against cleveland not this past year but i think that was the year before was that the tie game no that might have been the year before that so it's it, all it's i can say bit. is is you know since i moved back to maryland and you and i started going to a game together every year this past year we didn't see a block punt but each of the two previous games we'd gone to we saw a block punt yeah yep and i think they were both by the same player probably rosie nicks wasn't it yeah, well, yeah, I know the one against the Titans was Rosie Nix because that was right yeah. in front of us. Yeah. So, and uh, see, I also remember, so I'm going to miss Rosie Nix. I remember the the Steelers, uh, this was the, 
Raiders game where one Mr. Third and Fifth went nutso. And Ben got hurt late, and Landry Jones had to come in when the Raiders came back to tie it and had to and had the short pass to to Mr. Third and Fifth, who busted it all the way down for a, for a gimme field goal at the end. But in that game, there was a play where they played Renegade right before a kickoff. I'm like, oh man, I, I like it when they play Renegade after the kickoffs. So the defense is on the field next. They played Renegade right before the kickoff, and Rosie Nix comes out and lays out the guy, sends the ball flying, and he hit him so hard he comes up celebrating, not even realizing that he knocked the ball out. But the, Steel- <laughs> but the Steelers recovered it, and I'm like, that was like game changing Renegade like that. And people forget that th- that those kind of things happen. Um, I've seen a lot more good things happen after Renegade than bad things in games that I've been at. So, um, and yeah, and like like George um, Tetson sa- Teston says, uh, I think we all missed Rosie last year. I, I, I think so. We did on special teams, but they got mm-hmm. another. They got Derek Watt. We'll see if he uh, does the same kind of thing. So I'm going to give that slightest edge to the front seven, and I'm going to say, but only because they have one more guy than the than the back six, because. Um, that that kind of makes a difference. So now that that's a Dave answer. I'm sorry, but no, the, I can't believe that that that's what we're going into talking about. Is that how well? The most important thing is that they're balanced, right? That they're balanced. It's not like oh, this is a team that can stop the run, but they're going to give up a lot on the pass. Oh, this is a team that could stop the pass, but man, they're going to get gashed by the run. It seems like they're balanced. They're they're still vulnerable to the run. Something Cam Hayward's talked about um, recently in interviews that they want to get better against the run, but and just so you know, okay, looking at things like this are typically biased to the front seven. Yeah, okay, because you stop and think about you know you try to stop and think of each group and you say, hey, if what what if they had yeah what if the front seven had a had a lousy group of defensive backs behind them what could they still do and what if the great defensive backfield had a pretty terrible front seven in front of them what would they do yeah well i hate to tell you but that gets it's tougher on the secondary in my opinion without the front without that Front seven up front, they have a harder time looking good because they can they're they're covering guys. But if the front seven can't get there, then you're having to cover guys forever, and you just can't. See, everybody on that field has to trust each other and know that they're going to get the job done. Think and about that, this, and that's what Minka Fitzpatrick brought to this team. Yes, the prime example was that Arizona game. I know at one time we couldn't remember which game it was. We know it was against a young quarterback when he didn't, when Joe Hayden didn't make a make make a move on a play, but he saw it and he says, he says to Mink, if they line up like this again, get me over the top because I'm diving underneath for that interception. And he did, and he got yeah. it. And the reason he could go for it is because he knew he trusted the guy to have his back. So you've got corners that are trusting their safeties. And vice versa, you have you have defensive backs that know that they have to stick with their receiver for only so long because those guys up front are going to are going to get to that quarterback right. and not give him a chance to throw. And I mean, think about that. Just so I was I was reading Chisap's article today. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, 
Cliff yeah, Harris Kevin Smith, for those of you who are not Cliff, sure. Cliff Harris, Cliff Harris is still a punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this film work. He does great film work. Yep. Okay. The He was showing the one uh, clip. It was towards the end of the story. And um, it was something about coverage up top. I uh, forget who the quarterback was. I think it was against the Browns. Baker Mayfield. First read wasn't there. Second read wasn't there. Boom. I think Watt or somebody sacked him. Okay. On this play, you know, is moving to the offensive team left a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a guy dead wide open on the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the quarterback gets enough time to look around, he's eventually going to you know, see that guy over there can just sling it up in the air and nobody was you know, going to get to the guy. But that's, but that's not the case because our front seven guys don't just, you know, collapse in slowly. They're all over it. Um, they're for like, like kind of like you said, there's, there's trust there. Like, I don't think it was, it, I don't remember who it was that kind of left the guy. If it was, uh, I think it was Nelson because uh, they thought there was going to be a switch. And uh-huh. they didn't, and the guy ends up open. Yes. Okay, but there's no, but there's no time for the quarterback to nope. even yep. get around and find that guy. I know, I know exactly what you know. On that film, he was pointing that out, and that's exactly what I, I was just like, yeah. There, there's no time. Yeah. So even, even when the secondary makes a minor mistake, okay, because even there, I wasn't sure the guy was totally wide open because you still had Minka over the top a little bit. He could have gotten there and saved a touchdown, at least, if not had a chance to break it up. But either way, you know, those guys don't have to be 100% perfect on every single play. Yeah. And that goes both directions, both up front both on the other end. We don't necessarily have to to be 100% every play. Now, every guy wants to be 100% every play. And we have guys that would not take anything less than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Cam Hayward, yeah. TJ Watt, well, Mika Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, those guys aren't going to take anything less than 100%. But let's say they, they, they finish a play and they're like, oh, man, I did not have the greatest play there. That was only, yeah, that was only 95, not 100, you know. Well, it's nice when you got enough other guys that are at a hundred and are that good mm-hmm. that it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to say, look at the look at the defensive front. I mean, let's say you're rushing four. Do all four guys have to get to the quarterback? You only have to have one guy to get there to get the sack. Right. But what's crazy with the if you have more than one getting there, that's what helps keep the quarterback in the pocket in the and contained. Yep. So when the more you have getting there, especially you know if you have two, but they're both coming from the left, then guess what? He's he could escape. But when there were so many times that the question wasn't was there going to be a sack on a play, but who was going to get there first? That honestly. There, it's crazy how many more sacks certain players in the Steelers would have had last year if it wasn't for their own teammates beating them there. That's the key. That was, I mean, that's great. And what more can you ask for? Yes, you get a lot of individual 
stats and things like that and defensive player of the year and and pro bowls and all pros and all that. But if you're not working as a unit, then you're not going to have nearly as much success. Right. I and, mean, and- you get you get TJ Watt coming off the edge, the quarterback steps up. Oh, hello, Cam Hayward. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. So I mean, and, and there's there was times where TJ Watt did not get the sack, but he created it because here he's coming where he where he's doing um uh, a speed rush around the outside, which causes the quarterback to step right up into somebody else. Yep. You know, that, oh, no, got to step away from what? Boom. Yeah, there's somebody else. So that's that, that's that's kind of crazy. That, that really is. So anything else we want to say on this? I mean, this, to me, this was so hard of a, hard of a question that well, I don't even really care if I'm right. No, this... <laughs> This is, you know, it, like I said, it's really down to kind of splitting hairs. And and like I said, Kyle and I were looking at it, and the more I thought about it, I was just like, which unit, both units aren't going to be as good without the other one there, but which unit still shows more dominance? And yes. I leaned towards the front seven. Yes, I. but that's a great way to think of it. To, to me, they are showing more dominance, but they are also – Playing it, playing in positions and styles where you can, where it's easier to dominate because you are being more physical and things of that nature in the game up front. Where bottom line is, defensive backs, they're just playing, you know, shadow games, running around. If you think about it, that they're not out there, you know, they're going to get flagged if they have con- contact. So I mean, they can play like Mel Blunt. No, I can't play my, my, okay. like Mel Blunt anymore. So, well, we've got about 15 minutes or so. So let's get some questions going on here. There's some really lively discussion about some of the corner or some of the Steelers defensive backs and, and, and the quality of certain things. And it's, it, it's interesting, but let's, let's, uh, let, let's bring up some questions. Now, just so you know, you can use the super chat feature if you choose, where you can type in your, your question, hit that little dollar sign, donate any amount. You want to the show, don't feel like you need to do that. But if you have something you really want to say, that is the one guarantee that we will see it and bring it up. Otherwise, we'll just kind of look at things and see what we can do with them and see what kind of questions that we get rolling in here. Um, A lot of people have already answered the question earlier, so we didn't bring them up. But if you wanted to answer it again, we could always bring that up uh, as, as, as well. Okay. Um. Really, <laughs> Michael Beck? You know, take it away from what we'll do at the end of the no, show. No, no, this I, is perfect. I, I, no, I think there's great stuff. I think the deputy editor should be working on a whole bunch of stuff right now, don't oh, you? Oh, trust me, the deputy <laughs> editor has been working hard. We are doing all that we can to bring you all some very special things. <laughs> we are hoping that we will have some more of that soon. Um, and one Brian Anthony Davis is working very hard with stuff as well. Uh, Michael's been trying to pull some strings to see about some various things that we can get set up it's all about it's all about scheduling you know for those of you if you didn't catch it brian anthony davis got got an exclusive interview with morton anderson the other anderson kicker from the 80s 90s and 2000 um 
that was came in the league the same time as Gary Anderson. And he actually talked about Gary Anderson and deserving to be in the Hall of Fame and that famous NFC Championship game, which the two kickers were against each other, where Gary Anderson missed his only kick of the entire season. And then Morton Anderson kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime, um, which which was crazy. But we have a lot of exciting things. We'll, we'll, we'll do the whole rundown here at the end of the show. Um, here we go. Here's another one. There you go. Steelers fan 74. Which group could could less likely have an injury, front seven or back six? Do you mean have an injury or afford an injury? I, I think afford an injury. If yeah. I'm talking about which, where do we take a bigger hit, I think we take a bigger hit if we have an injury in the back six. Um, depending on where, depending it, on is. where it is. Honestly, if there's an injury in, 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 in the, on the defensive line, I think they have some depth there. If there's an injury at outside linebacker, it could spell trouble. Uh, injury at inside linebacker, a whole lot of trouble. Um, then depending on, on like if it's Minka Fitzpatrick, that's a lot of trouble because they don't really have, I mean, or even Terrell Edmonds, because I know a lot of Steeler fans want to hate on Terrell Edmonds, but he's much better than what, than other things that they have, uh, right now or anything proven. But let's say you lose a Joe Hayden for a game or Steven Nelson, as long as not both of them, you might have some, some capable guys to step in. It's injuries are going to happen. The question is where, when, how long, and are they all at once or not? So that's tough. Oh, sure it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Nobody's going to get hurt this year, and we're going to be all <laughs> I'm going to say quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Well, then. Okay. All right, here we go. Geek question. Yeah, I knew that was yours. Daniel, three Star Wars movies. I guess top three. He said, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, and A New Hope. Okay. Uh, Nathaniel, I'm going to give you a five-minute timeout because when you don't even include the best Star Wars movie in your top three, you you don't get an opinion anymore because we both know the best Star Wars movie is The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back. That exactly. is the best one, and then then there's the rest of them. Um, honestly, I would say Return of the Jedi is the is the the least of the of the first three. Um, some pretty bad acting in that one, which I kind of yep. laugh at sometimes. But you needed the story to be complete. Um, my wife doesn't like to watch Revenge of the Sith. It makes her sad because she keeps rooting for him to not turn. And every time, what do you know? He had all those chances every time I watch that movie, and it never changes. So, um, but honestly, if you really want to go Star Wars, some of your best stuff. Um, is actually some of the series. Clone the animated Clone War series was great. Rebels right, was great. Right, right, right. Man, Ma- Mandalorian is wonderful. Steelers there you stuff. go. Enough for, enough for that. We have enough geeky. Enough All right. Uh Lumberzag94. Do you see any last minute contracts or extensions being made before the deadline? I still think they try to get uh Cam Hayward one. Um the thing that's tricky with Cam, if they don't, I think they try to work out something to say, Cam. Can we sign you next year and give you your big and, and give you your big signing bonus next year? Because we'd give it to you now. But the problem is then you have a bigger number next year, and we have a lot of big numbers next year. Can yeah. we just give you your number this year? You come back, we'll give you the, the the nice signing bonus next year to keep your first year low while we have a lot of other big numbers, and then we it'll be easier for us to manage. I could see the two teams coming coming to agreement and say, this is what we'd like to do. But this is why we'd like to do it, unless they turn around and do, do a restructure next year. But that would be more beneficial because that first year is generally lower because of the signing bonus right. being spread out. Um, 
that would be the only reason I think that they wouldn't sign Hay- sign Cam Hayward. I know some people are really afraid that if he's not signed by the start of the season, he's gone. Now, if he's not signed by the beginning of free agency next year, that's when you have to worry about it. But I could very much see Cam being a guy that that signs after the season before the start of free agency next year. Do you have anybody else, or do you want to say anything about Cam? No. Um, so the numbers for next year just scare me so bad. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not even sure. I'm sure. Casey, or yeah, and and Omar. I, I'm sure those guys are crunching their numbers, and they will know what they're doing. I know Flip was out there earlier tonight, and know he loves crunching all those numbers and things. Just, just the thought of where our cap situation could be next year makes my head hurt. So I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Because there's so much uncertainty if the cap was supposed to go up, but if there's lost revenue, it could go down. They right. could work out an Just, agreement of keeping the cap the same, you know, how they're going to, there's so much to go into it, which also makes it really flip had an article about that it was a very good, good point that, these restructures might not, it might not be a good idea, not restructures, contract extensions might not be a good idea this year because of that situation. But the Steelers, what they should let these guys know is, Hey, we're, we're in a tough boat. We want to keep you, but we would like to give you your big bonus next year. Um, But that, I don't know if players will be all right with that or not. So I want to bring up the next one, which was um, Jeffrey Benedict talked about Martavis Bryant being reinstated. That was some news that he broke yesterday. He knows it's not a need, but it could be low risk, high reward. Um, what What are your thoughts? My my thing is is would he even make it? You know, um, he's got to be reinstated first. You know, just because he applies doesn't mean he gets reinstated. I think he's got a better chance because of how they changed stuff with the new CBA. Apparently, he re- he asked for reinstatement last year and didn't get it. Um, what do you think, Rich? I don't think we need him. Yeah, I don't know that the Steelers need him, but at the same time, if if no one's going to give him a shot, I wouldn't do any more than a, than a minimum and say, "Hey, come in, see what you can earn, see what you can do." But the way he, you know, kind of got disgruntled and had like his girlfriend talking about wanting to trade and things like that, these are things that front offices remember. Yep. Now it, it would take, I think it would be very difficult because of what's going on with the COVID situation, because I don't see the Steelers offering anything without sitting down and having a meeting with him. And I mean, they could try to do it over zoom, but it might not be the same that they would need to talk to him about how his life's together. What's he planning on doing? What does he want to bring to the team? What's his attitude going to be? You know, how are things different from when we had to trade you the last time? That's what it would take. Yep. I'm, I'm not against them having that conversation and making a decision from that point on. Gotcha. All right. Got the, you got the next I, one? I got the next one. Ryan Kellerman says, how would you guys feel if UG3 was starting if Devin or Vince unfortunately goes down? Uh, I like him, but he is extremely unproven. Correct. You know, I think that there's a lot of potential, but, you know, what does potential really get you? You know exactly what you have with Devin and Vince, and there's still some unknowns with UG3. Um, so you would have to understand that going going in. I mean, heaven forbid if Devin or Vince go down, then that's what we'd be looking at. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's the guy right now. I think you're going to – the Steelers are going to give UG3 a chance. I hope there's more of a regular training camp, even though it's in Pittsburgh, that they can get players out there and doing things because it's going to be based on training camp is what's going to determine whether or not the Steelers need to go looking before week one. If UG3 comes in, I mean, he's going to have his chance. If he comes in and shows that he he can play, then, then we're fine. But if he doesn't, then the Steelers are going to have to make a move, in my opinion. Right. So I think the Steelers are in the same boat we are. Let's let's see what he can do. I like his. I like what he can do. Uh, let's see it. I'm bringing up one. I'm going to skip back because Kathy wants to know who's he going to interview next. You know, talking about Michael. Um, he's working on it. We're working on something we might even have this week, but we don't like to say too much or anything until we are ready to go. Because in this in in, in this business, things can change. In a moment, you could go from having nothing to someone wants to come on your show and you pop out a show in 10 minutes where you're going to be starting, or it could be, you could line something up for a long time and it still just never gets done. So do you have another one you found or? Yep. There you go. Bring it. Okay. Let's bring, let's bring up flip. Yeah. He said, so do you guys want to play right tackle and why? What gives you confidence in said player? I think it says mm-hmm. who. Yeah. Who do you guys want to play right tackle? Well, because Flip can't stand either of them. And that's why he's asking. And he's going to say how they're both terrible. So that's why we have the question. So the question is, it's not about are either of those two guys better than Matt Filer? And it's not is Wisniewski or Kevin Dotson better than Matt Filer? It's is either Chooks or Banner better than was Newski or Dotson. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. So <laughs> it really, it, it really it, does. It's more about the combination, not the yeah. player. Exactly. Exactly. And if, and if it, and if putting Filer at guard, because one of those tackles steps up and is ready to go, you know, uh, like Jefferson Hartman used to say, and he still, he still says this over at DK Pittsburgh sports. How much did you actually see, see banner, you know, dropping back to protect the quarterback. That's not what he did. So you don't know right. that he can do, do that or not. Then you then you got Chooks that, you know, pot, you know, there is a possibility that they said that Chooks would have started, I don't know about over Filer or if Ramon would have been forced out had he been 100% healthy last year, that he was still good enough to play, good enough to contribute, didn't wouldn't 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 make the injury worse but was not playing at a hundred percent. And now they believe he could be playing more at a hundred percent. It's, I mean, it doesn't matter who I'm com- comfortable with. It's who the Steelers are comfortable with. And I actually feel like when you've got four players fighting for one spot, that that is a really good thing. That, that, that That's a good thing. So it's not about being better than Filer. It's about getting the best five guys out there. So right. any more the you best, want to say about that, Rich? It's the best unit. Yeah. It's the best Unit, you know. Yeah, um, I'm we're not sure who that is, and yeah. Tomlin doesn't know either, which is why you got the answer on the death chart from Tomlin today that you did. Yeah, so exactly. So right now they're going with the guys that have been with the team, and I understand that. That does not mean that's who's, who it's going to be. I actually, you know, I, I think it could be uh, Wisniewski, but I, some people are worried about him being able to go a full season because he hasn't 
had to go a full season for a while. Uh, Logan DeLorenzo says, what impact did Terrell Austin have with the defense? My answer to that is we may never know because the question is not only did you get Terrell Austin helping out with the secondary, but you also added Steven Nelson and Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. What do you what do you think had more effect on that secondary, the coach or those two players? Mm. Yeah. Honestly, in the end, what tied it all together was Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Because so it, I'm sorry, we sat. I sat at that game week two against the Seahawks. Yeah, you did. And I was texting you, telling you what's oh. going on with Ben, and yeah, and and what a change in that secondary once you know. You had a you had a crack in there, and you just patched that thing over with some cement once Fitzpatrick came in. Yeah. So had to put that well, up there. When I say that Terrell also had no had no yeah impact, no, I wouldn't no. say that. No, I, yeah. The thing is, we don't really know that. We it's hard for us to answer. It's kind of like the whole Matt Canada thing. We're talking about Matt Canada bringing this and that to the offense and blah blah blah. We don't know how much say or anything Matt Canada is going to have with this team. Do you think Matt Canada is going to have more say than Ben Roethlisberger? I don't think no. so. Because I don't think anyone on that offense has more say than Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, I think we might have time for one more. Do you have one you, th- that you found or you want me to do? Uh, I was just going to hit that next one there. Why not? Which one? Who wins um, the punting job? Um, I think winning winning the punting job will, will either be Jordan Berry or – some player Someone that gets cut early on the Steelers roster. Yeah, I don't think um, the, the player they brought in, Waitman, I'm not saying that he can't be. I think he's one of those guys that's, you know, slight potential for a home run, more than likely just a camp body. But I mean, it, it, it could pat back if he like <laughs> He said he'd come big. He said he'd come. He'd, he said he'd come punt for, for Pittsburgh. He said he would. Um, gotta love that. But I, there, there's a good. I said it last year that I felt that there was a chance it could be somebody else that was on someone else's roster. I said, look for a team out there that has two, two guys doing well as a punter. But I will say one thing real quick, how much Morton Anderson in his interview with Brian Anthony Davis said, that holder means so much. That holder means so much. And two years ago, that's the reason Jordan Berry kept his job the whole regular season is because Boswell was struggling. And therefore, they didn't want to change the holder. And that might be what he's doing. Rich, anything else for the go to the order before we sign off here? Oh, but you better go, you better do the rundown real better quick. Better do the rundown. Okay. Well, we've got our family of podcasts coming for you. We've got Lance Williams tomorrow night with the with the standard at the standard. Um, I'm not I gotta double check to make sure that Lance um has who who might be coming in with, with Lance to talk about something. Um, then Thursday we have the Steelers preview. Um there's another chance we have someone else coming in with that as well. Um, we just don't know, but that would be myself, Brian Anthony Davis, and Deputy Editor Michael Beck. Then we have Friday with uh, Lance's Yeah, I Said It, Saturday, Steelers Brunch with Tony, which unfortunately got cut off due to a crash in an internet at Tony's uh, where I had to come on and say goodbye, everybody, um, at the end of his show. Um, for, for those that were still there in the live chat Sunday, we should be back to a Homer and a hater with Brian and Lance and then Brian and Tony back on Monday for the Q and a, and you and I will be here next Tuesday. We will be, um, for that, for back for stat geek. And if anything else, make sure you are checking out behind the steel curtain.com your one-stop shop for all things, Pittsburgh Steelers. We still got all kinds of great content coming at you. 
even in the most dead part of the NFL season, which is right now. Anything else you want to say, Rich? Oh, I'm going to lead us out there in our the ever-famous words of our friends, Lance Williams. Tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Thanks for geeking out with us. There you go.